Hallelujah. I want to remind you, anything back there, too, we're going to make, we'll continue a half price of just to sow into you, be a blessing here. Amen. Praise God. How many of you believe God has something good for you tonight? Hallelujah. What about the rest of you? <laughs> praise God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We appreciate the opportunity to be here. We've had a good time, and we just believe God for great things. And people were talking about how it got chilly today. Praise God. I looked on our weather cast, and it was 29 degrees back home. So, you know, we were running around in short sleeve shirts thinking it was springtime here. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, it's good to be with you, and we're going to get in the Word here just real quick. And I believe God has something good for us. So let's pray, set our faith in agreement, receive. Amen. Father, we thank you now and praise you for the privilege it is to, again, open up the Word of God. We trust you, Holy Spirit, that you bring to our remembrance everything that should be said to everything that should be spoken. And, Lord, we thank you for giving us utterance, bringing forth out of us a prophetic revelation through inspired, divinely inspired preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And, Lord, we thank you for granting to each and every one of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of our hearts will be opened, that our holy, that the Holy Spirit will bring into our spirit the very truth of the Word of God. And, Lord, we believe you that as we hear your Word, it will cause faith to rise mightily within us. And we thank you, Lord, for working with us and confirming your Word, and we'll give you all the praise, glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. And, you know, it's amazing, the Apostle Peter, all these great apostles that were uh, placed into the work of God by the Lord, they, they brought different uh, looks at the revelation of God to us. Amen. They, they brought, it, uh, you know, pretty much similar revelation just from a different perspective. They, they're all teaching us about our redemption in Christ. They're all teaching us about, you know, the struggles that we will face and how to overcome them. Praise God. And they're all teaching on the faithfulness of our God. But we get in here in 1 Peter chapter 4, and if you study this out, you'll find that, that Peter's talking about being delivered from sin and, and not wasting any more your time living in a lifestyle of sin. He said, we've given up time to sin. Now, I mean, we've, we've done enough giving. You know, we've, we've spent enough time messing up, doing things. And so he says, it's time to walk away from that. Then he says down here, we'll pick it up in verse 7. He says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Well, if it was the end of time then, we're really close to the end of it now. Amen. So we could really be take that. And he says, if the end of all things is at hand, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. I like the way that is. Be serious. That's the New King James Version. Amen. So, so, so we need to get very serious in our walk with God, don't we? Very serious in our prayer life. Very serious in how we conduct ourselves. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. So he's talking about end times now. He says the, 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 the things that are coming to an end are coming upon us. In other words, we're coming into the end times. And he says as we enter into the end times, which I believe we're living in right now, he says you need to get serious. You need to get prayerful. And he says, above everything, you need to let the love of God dictate to who you are and what you do. Amen. Let love have its place in your life because love will cover a multitude of sins. Now, here's the thing. If there wasn't going to be some problems coming our way, we wouldn't have to have love as the top thing in our life, would we? Amen. If something didn't have to get covered, then we wouldn't need it. But, you know, he's telling us that there are going to be some problems coming, and you're going to have to learn how to walk in love. 
and how to be serious with your walk with God if you're going to overcome them. Amen? So he's beginning to give us some warnings. Listen to what he says. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. My, my, a lot of people are hospitable, but they still grumble. Amen? Yeah, I'll go do it, but I won't like it. Smile, praise God. So glad to see who I'm glad they left. I'm telling you what, no. Amen. No, he says, use your hospitality and don't grumble and murmur about it. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Notice that he says, when you get born again, God has a place for you. God has a gift for you. God has the grace to make that gift work for you. And so he says, use your talents, your giftings to be a blessing. Help people with it. Amen. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God. In other words, don't don't step up and stumble and stammer and, you know, be a poly. Stand up and act like you believe what you're talking about. Amen? Act like it's real to you. Then he says, if anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. In other words, don't try to be like somebody else. Just be yourself and know that God will work for you. Amen? Then he says this, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he's, he's instructing us on how to live in these last days. Showing us to be very serious in our walk with God. Showing us to be prayerful. Showing us that we need to let love dominate us because we're going to have to help people get through some things and we're going to have to have some stuff covered over. And, and, and then he says we're going to have to learn how to work with people and not get aggravated with them and grumble about it. And then he says, you know, you're going to get your gifts out and you're going to start using your gift and you're going to start using it to minister to people and God's going to get glory. And he says if you step up and speak, step up and speak like somebody believes in what they're talking about. Amen. In other words, let's don't stand up and apologize for being a Christian. If you're going to stand up and declare Jesus your Lord, then be, this, be bold about it. Amen? And he says this way, if you'll do these things and be bold and confident and strong, the Lord will get glory in everything you're doing, praise God. But now look what he says in verse 12. He takes a little shift here. Beloved, he's talking to you and me, Christians. Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Notice that. Peter says this. He says, now, you know, you used to be in sin. Now, you've wasted enough time doing that. So let's go ahead and act like Christians. The end of all things has come upon us. And so, therefore, you know, you're going to have to get ready for things. You have to walk in love. You're going to have to be able to cover up some stuff and, and be able to get through some things and, and forgive some things and, and not be determined, by, you know, deterred by the things going on. And he says, you know, you're going to have to find your gifting and your grace. You're going to have to get bold, speak it out. You need to be full of prayer. And God's giving you gifts and God's giving you graces and God wants to get glory in your life. And then he says, oh, and by the way, don't think it's strange concerning the tribulations test and trials is going to check you out and try you out and try to bring you down while you're trying to live for God. Notice, and he says, thinking not strange. I, I don't know about you. I've been in this long enough. It amazes me how people will come in and give their life to the Lord and, and, and you know, get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, just excited for God. And they'll come back a week later and, and they're just drooping, their chins dragging on the ground. And I said, what happened? Well, uh, some bad things happened to me after I got saved. I look at him, I said, well, what do you think is going to happen when you get saved? You think the devil's going to go, oh, you got saved. Let me get out of the way so you can live for God now. No, Peter's right here saying as you decide that you're going to really, really live for God, you're not just going to be, you know, uh, live for God in the shadows. You're not just going to be somebody that's playing at this thing. He says you need to understand there are going to be tests and trials come your way, so don't think it's strange when something happens in your life. Amen. 
But rejoice in the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. Meaning what? He's saying that the type of test is going to come against you is going to come against your testimony, is going to come against your love walk, is going to come against your boldness for God, and is coming to try to bring you down and get you to show shut up and back away from God. That's the test. That's the suffering. That's what it's coming for. It's coming to discourage you. Amen? Let me read this to you in a couple other. Uh, the Amplified in verses 12 and 13 says it like this. Beloved, do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test your quality. Isn't that good? He says this test is testing your quality. See, a lot of people, you know, we want quantity. I mean, we have more Bible we know, the more. No, no, God would rather you believe one scripture than be able to quote the Bible. And see, the test is coming to check, you know, to test your quality of your stand. Just how much do you really believe this? Just how willing are you to stand up for God? See, the test is the devil checking out the quality of your commitment to Christ. Amen. And so what does Peter say? He says, he says, though some strange thing happened. But he says in verse 13, but insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings. Now, you need to understand something. When he talks about Christ's sufferings, there are two different areas of Christ's sufferings. Number one, the sufferings of Christ in our redemptive work on Calvary. And you and I cannot partake or participate in the sufferings of Christ on Calvary. He did it for us. Amen. In other words, I don't bear sin. I don't have to get sick. I don't have to die on a cross. Amen. Amen. I enjoy the benefits of Christ's suffering on Calvary. But the second part of Christ's sufferings, which he's talking about here, is the sufferings of persecution, sufferings of tests, sufferings of the things that he went through while he was here on the earth. Amen? And so he says this, whenever you begin to be tempted, tested, and tried, what you need to do is you need to say, I'm entering into the sufferings of Christ. In other words, as they did it to him, they're doing it to me. Remember in Matthew 10, Jesus pulled out the 12 disciples and, and he sent them out and gave them power and authority. And, and then he begins to get into the discourse. He says, now when you go in this city and they chase you out, just go to the next one. He said, there'll be people to try to kill you. There'll be people that try to do you harm. He said, listen, if they did it to me, they'll do it to you. What's he saying? You're going to enter into my sufferings. You're going to enter in to the things. And he says this. He says, the servant is not greater than the master. He said, if, if they did it to the master, they're going to do it to his, to his students, his disciples, are they? See, if you and I could live our Christian life and never have a problem, we'd be bigger than better than Jesus. But you see, you can't. And Jesus is warning us that if we're going to live, like Peter is saying here, if we're going to be, uh, you know, stalwart, if we're going to have a quality commitment to Christ, we're going to pray, we're going to be serious, we're going to speak as oracles of God, we're going to walk in love. Listen, the very person, you, you make a decision to walk in love, and the very person that can get you the best is probably going to show up on your doorstep the next day. You ever had that happen? I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to be full of love. And I'm going to let love dominate me. And here they come around the corner. And the first words out of their mouth makes you want to smack them. You know? Huh? 
testing the quality of your commitment to walk in love. Amen. That's entering into his sufferings. That's the sufferings he's talking about. Amen. See, you and I, a lot of church got it wrong. Well, you know, I'm sick and I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you're not. You're suffering for lack of knowledge. Because, you know, himself bare our sicknesses and carried our pains. And by the stripes that wounded him, we're healed and made whole. You don't bear that. You don't suffer the sickness. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just poor and beat down, and, and it's keeping me humble and suffering for you. No, you're suffering for lack of knowledge. How do you know? Because 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health. How? Even as your soul prospers, your mind. You've got to renew your mind to these things. See, what suffering is this is when you stand up for Jesus and some friends walk away from you. What true suffering that Jesus, that Peter's talking about here, is when you take a stand for God on, on the job and, and people call you a fanatic, they call you a religious zealot, they call you intolerable, they call you all kinds of names because you won't participate in the junk that's going on around them and you've taken a stand of holiness. Now, don't shout too loud because I'm preaching too good here, man. You know. No, he's talking about here. And, and he says, don't think it's strange when that happens. He said, it's checking out the quality of your commitment to Christ. Amen. Now, listen to the, the message in verse 12 and 13. I like the message Bible to look at every now and then. It gives you a little different take. It says this, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. <laughs> Isn't that right? See, see I, I like that because, you see, sometimes... You know, whenever things get things getting tough around us, we think, well, where's God? I made this commitment to God. Where's God? He's still on the job. He hasn't left you nor forsaken you. He's right there with you. He'll walk you right through that thing if you keep your eyes on him. Amen. Then he goes on and says this, Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. See, those are the sufferings of Christ. This is the spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. This is the spiritual refining process, and the glory of the Lord is just around the corner. His glory, His anointing, His provision, His blessing, His presence, everything is right there. And when you get through this test, it's going to be right there to come on you. Hallelujah. And see, that's why the test is coming, because the devil knows that God's glory is on the other side of that test. Oh, you didn't hear me. See, the devil knows that the glory of God is on the other side of that test. And if he can keep you from getting to the other side of that test, you can't experience the glory of God. But if you just set, set yourself and walk in the quality decision that there's no turning back, there's no giving up, I'm not going to be discouraged, I'm going to walk in love, I'm going to be serious with this thing, I'm going to keep praying, I'm going to cover over people's sins and not hold things against them, I'm going to use my gift for God, and I'm not coming off with this devil the bible says god's glory is about to come on your life hallelujah come on isn't this good and so the devil knows that that's why he's checking out your quality he's checking out he's trying to bring you to a place where you will not receive what jesus said you can have but if you'll stay committed to it you'll get to the other side amen so peter's telling us there's going to be some tests for us to get to the glory of god there are going to be some rocky roads, we might have, some difficult situations. The enemy's going to try to come through. He says, that's okay. Just rejoice. You're, you're, you've entered into the sufferings of Christ, praise God. In other words, as Jesus went through it, now he's going to help you get through it. 
And what the devil meant for bad against Jesus turned out for his good. And what the devil's meaning bad for you is turning out for your good. Because you're learning to trust God all the way through that situation. And you're learning to walk in the word of God. Now look over in Acts, the, the, the 14th chapter of the book of Acts. In the 14th chapter of the book of Acts, we have some, some really uh, amazing things. I want to show you what Peter has to say about all of this. And I want you to see what the Lord Jesus says about it. And also about what the Apostle Paul. I, I want to start off here in verses 21 and 22 of Acts chapter 14. You know, this, this chapter, Paul in the 13th chapter was set apart for the apostleship and sent out. And God's been working through him and ministering through him. And, and, and then, you know, he comes up to Lystra and there's a, a lame man and he, he gets him healed by faith. And the man's shouting and praising God. In fact, they want to, to almost, they want to try to call him a God, you know, try him and you know, him Barnabas. They were going to see, you know, and Paul went out and stopped him. So, so, you know, there's great moves of God going on. And then Paul says down here in verse 21, he says, and when they had preached the gospel of that city and made many disciples, see, they made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. Now listen to this last part. And saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now, now I wonder what Paul's trying to get across here. Why does he say through many tribulations we enter into the kingdom of God? The amplifier or the message Bible says, making it clear to them that it wouldn't be easy. Anyone signing up for the kingdom of God has to go through plenty of hard times. Hmm. The amplified says this, urging and warning and encouraging them to stand firm in the faith and telling them that it is through many hardships and tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, is Paul saying it's hard to get saved? No, 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 no. What's what's Paul saying here? He's, he's telling us that if you're going to live for God, you're going to face some difficult times. See, the devil's going to try to stop you from operating as a citizen of the kingdom of God. He's going to try to stop you from enjoying the kingdom benefits that God has for you as his child. Now, why would Paul write something like that? Well, you have to go back to verse 19 to find out. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, this is what happened. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him and rose up and went into the city, the next day he departed from Barnabas with Barnabas to Derbe. Now, now you understand what Paul's talking about. One day they're shouting, God's, God's. The next day they're shouting, kill him, kill him. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you know, praise God. I had a friend of mine, you know, and, and he, he's actually a, a internationally known now he's got a great ministry and 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 stuff and he was at a holding a convention and and, and he said he he was he and a pastor was walking down the street this major city where they was holding a convention just fellowshipping out just kind of taking a walk getting away from everything and he said he heard some voice i know who you are you're that Preacher on TV. I know what you do. You are. And said, started calling him names. He said, this woman just berated him. And he said, just called me all kinds of names. And he said, me and the pastor just kept walking. And he said, you know, we got about halfway down the walk, and I could still hear her back up there on the corner, screaming out, cursing me, telling me what a mean person and a false prophet I was and all this stuff. And he said, and he said, we get finally where I can't hear much. He said, we're walking along. And he said, all of a sudden I look up and there's a young man. 
And he started waving his hands and calling my name. I thought, Lord, have mercy. I mean, how much I've put up with. He said, only this one was going, oh, and he called his name out. And he said, he said, I want to let you know you've got the greatest ministry. I was saved, filled the Holy Ghost, delivered from drugs through you. God has used you to help me so much. He said, I went from being the worst to the best in one city block. Amen. I thought, I, I wanted to tell him, I said, at least you was walking in the right direction. Praise God. You didn't go from the best to the worst. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, you know, so you you, you got to just be ready for some of this stuff. Praise God. And here Paul is getting people healed, making disciples. The next thing you know, they beat him up, throw him out of town, and act like, you know, try, try to kill him. And so Paul, you know, he gets up, and, you know, they, they pray, and he raises up, and he goes right back into preaching, and then he writes, he says, with many difficulties, with much struggle and tests and trials, you're going to enter into the kingdom of God. Amen? Meaning what? Being a Christian always isn't the easiest thing that you're going to do. Amen? And so Paul is writing to us, don't give up and quit just because some problems happen to you. The devil doesn't want you advancing God's kingdom on this earth. The devil doesn't want you operating as a citizen of the kingdom of God. He doesn't want you operating in your rights and benefits. Why? Because Jesus gave you authority to spread his gospel and set people free. And Satan will attack us to try to keep us down and to get us to give up on doing what God wants us to do. And it's going on in the time we're living in right now. There's great persecution in this country right now. You know, for a while, back in the, the late 70s, early 80s, up to the mid-80s, it was the coolest thing to be a spirit-filled Christian. It was a move. It was the end thing. But I want to tell you what, it is not an end thing to be a Christian in this country right now. There's persecution, there's tests, and if you're going to live for God, you're going to have to make some decisions because, you see, if they could kill you, they would. And so he says, so, so there's much hardship, there's tough things. He says, making it clear that it wouldn't be easy. Anyone signing up for the kingdom of God has to go through plenty of hard times. And we're going to face some hard times. That's what Peter was saying, and that's what the apostle Paul is saying to us. But what did he do? Well, I like what he did. It actually, up here in verse 19, the Message Bible, it says it like this. Then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium caught up with them and turned the fickle crowd against him. <laughs> Amen. You ever found out that the crowds can be very fickle? Huh? That's why you cannot be moved by what people are saying about you. Amen. I'm not going to get up because you're patting me on the back, and I'm not going to get down because you're calling me names. Amen. I'm not going to shout and praise God because you're walking and telling everybody what a wonderful prayer. And I'm not going to get down and quit just because you walked off and left me. Amen. Because I've made a commitment. Jesus is my reason for this. And Jesus is my Lord. And I'm going all the way. Hallelujah. Amen. And so the Apostle Paul, what did he do? Well, verse 20 says, he came to and got up and went back into town. I want to tell you what. When somebody comes along and hits you and tries to discourage you, tell you what you do. Come back to yourself. Get up and start doing what God told you to do. Don't quit for a second. Paul got up, and just as soon as he could get back up, he went right back to doing what God told him to do. Amen. Somebody comes along and tells you to shut up, just walk down the corner, start, up, start it up again. Praise God. Somebody says, well, how could you say that? Jesus said if they reject it here, go to the next place. 
Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing what God told you to do. Hallelujah. I told somebody, I said, they said, you know, what are you going to do if nobody shows up? I said, well, I'll go someplace. Somebody will listen to me. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just going to keep on doing this. Hallelujah. I'll preach to anybody. I'll preach. You know, it don't matter what size crowd. It's just every opportunity that I get. I just try to give them the best of God. Hallelujah. I try to live it out in front of people because, you see, I'm not going to let people determine how I'm going to do it. I'm not going to let a fickle, backslidden, don't-know-God nation determine how I'm going to live. Jesus paid too much of a price for me to not be serious in my walk with him. Amen? And the devil knows that he is trying to keep me from God's glory. And if he can't stop me from getting in there and staying with God, he can beat me up. He can do whatever. But if he can't stop me from standing for God, he cannot keep the glory of God from coming into my life. Amen? So Paul warns us here, and he says, he says, if you go through some struggles, just get up and go ahead and keep on telling everybody. Verse 21 says, after proclaiming the message. In other words, Paul didn't shut up when they tried to shut him up. Amen. I remember Brother John Osteen telling the story back years ago. Brother Osteen, you know, he, he said a lady came to his church on a, a Wednesday and, and said, that, you know, he came up to him after service and said, Brother Osteen, would you pray for me? He said, what do you want me to pray for? And she said, would you pray for me? I need another job. I need a job. He said, well, I thought I prayed for you to have a job a few months back. She said, well, you did. And she said, I got a job. He said, well, why? I need to pray for you to get another job. And she said, well, because all the women I work with in the office are mean to me. And they're all sinners. And they all treat me bad. And said, said sometimes they put old vulgar magazines on my desk. And, and they tell jokes so I can hear it. And they know I'm a Christian. And he said, what do you do whenever they do that? She said, oh, a lot of times I just break down and cry and get embarrassed. He said, I'm not going to pray for you to get another job. Said, God put you just where he needs you. He said, Now I'm going to pray for God to give you boldness. She, he said, Before she'd get away from me, he said, I laid my hands on her. Hallelujah. Pray for God. Give her boldness and courage and to stand up. He said, Now you go do it. And she, he said, She kind of whimpered a little bit and wandered off. Okay. And so he said, I didn't hear much from her. He said, For about a week and a half. And he said, On a Sunday evening, he said, after service, he said, she came up to me, just all smiles. And he said, what's going on? He, she said, well, you know, I went for a few days, and I felt like you'd left me and, and stuff. And then I came Sunday, and you preached, you know, and said, then, then finally, you know, uh, Monday, you know, I went to work, and they were still doing things. And she said, finally, actually, this was the following Wednesday, the week after. And she said, finally, you know, uh, uh, I went to work on Tuesday. And she said, uh, they were standing there and said, one of them put an ugly magazine on my desk. And then they was telling a joke. And she said, I started to cry. And then I thought, no, Pastor, pray for me to be bold. He said, well, what did you do? She said, well, I got, I just thought, well, God, what should I do? She says, I just jumped up on my desk and started speaking in tongues and shouting, hallelujah. He said, well, what did they do, darling? She says, well, they just ran over top of each other trying to get out of my office. Hallelujah. And she said then, she said, every time they'd walk by my door, she said, they'd look in, I'd go, whoo, hallelujah. And she said, they'd run down now. And she said, all day long, they were just staying away from me. She said, I had perfect peace. Hallelujah. She said, but you know what happened this morning? He said, what? He said, one of them came to me and said, they've been wrong. And they were sorry, 
And, and she said, you know, uh, I, I'd like to talk to you. She says, I think I'm going to get my whole office saved. Hallelujah. See, you've got to understand something, folks. Greater is he that's in us than he that's against us. And sometimes we just need to stand up. Paul could have quit, but he went right back into the very town where they stoned him and went back in and made more disciples. Hallelujah. I refuse to be discouraged. I'm going to be the greater influence than they are. Amen? I'm going to walk with God. That's my commitment to him. Now look in Matthew's Gospel, the 11th chapter. Look what the Lord Jesus has to say. We find out what the Paul, he's warning us here. And then in, in, in the Apostle Peter is warning us, telling us that the glory is waiting on us. Paul is telling us here that you'll have some tough times, but just keep on doing it. Praise God. Then in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, the Lord Jesus himself says this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, you know, I always read that, and I thought, you know, what's he talking about? And he started breaking it down from the days of John the Baptist until now. So this started when John started preaching. What was Jesus talking about? And he says, up to now, even while Jesus is preaching, what's going on? He says this. He says, from the days that John the Baptist showed up preaching, what did John preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Started preaching the gospel of the kingdom, didn't he? What was the first message that Jesus preached in Matthew 4? The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus just picked that right up, started preaching that. Amen. And, and so he says from the time that this gospel of the kingdom began to preach, he says up until this very moment, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violence taken before us. Now, listen to what he says in the, uh, the Amplified Bible here. It says, and from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. See, you got to understand something. When, when, when the King James, New King James, did everyone say the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, the violence, the violence that is suffering and the violent are two different things. Are you standing? See, the violence, the kingdom of suffering is the attack and the assault of the enemy trying to stop it from being advanced. But the violent are the people who want to get in. Are you listening to me? And so he says, but violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. What's he saying? It doesn't matter how tough it gets. Blessed be God. I want this. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what the attacks, what the persecution, what's going on around me, whether you go or you don't go. I see it as the most precious thing, and I'm giving my heart and life to Jesus. Hallelujah. It's the same thing that Joshua said after he had finished separating the people and giving them their inheritance in the 24th chapter. He said, now listen, if you want to go back into the old things and go across Jordan and live for the devil and do all, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, and do this. And if it seems wrong and too hard for you to live for God, that's fine. You know, you have to make up your mind. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. And Jesus is saying here, John began to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And they began to have violent assault against him. In fact, Herod had his head chopped off. And Jesus says, I began to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm persecuted. I'm driven from town to town. They tried to throw me over a cliff. They tried to stone me. And eventually they're going to crucify me. He said, so the enemy is assaulting the kingdom, trying to stop this gospel message from going out. But those people who grab a hold of the revelation of it and see what it really is, see how precious it is and how valuable is and they say i don't care how much it costs i don't care what the attacks are i'm going to use my energy to have what god said i can have 
I'm going to get my redemption. Hallelujah. I'm going to walk free from the curse of the law. I'm going to walk in the blessing of Abraham. I'm going to walk in my healing and health. I'm going to prosper and be successful and victorious. I'm going to stand up and rejoice in the Lord and be more than a conqueror in this life because to have a place in God's kingdom is worth every assault, every persecution, every lie, everything the enemy can throw against. Throw a devil. But you're not going to stop me from having what God said I can have. So Jesus is saying, for this to work for you, you better get ready. And you better just settle in your heart, I'm all in. And the price will not be too great because the reward is greater. Amen. And see, there are times, folks, you're going to have to stand. And you know, people say, well, what do I do if I've stood and believed God? Well, Ephesians 6 says, once you've done all to stand, stand therefore. How do I stand therefore? I stand on the Word. I stand praising God. I just refuse to come off. Why? Because I'm going to be violent in my faith. I'm going to exert energy in my faith. See, this isn't for the meek. This isn't for the mild. This isn't for those who just hope that it'll fall on them like a ripe cherry falling off of a tree. This is for people who say, God said I can have it and I'm going to get it. And if you're smart, you'll go with me and get it. Because God wants us all to have it. Amen. And the devil doesn't want you to know that. The devil doesn't want people to hear this. That's why he's blinding people's minds. That's why he's trying to attack. And that's why he's he's sending these tests to check out your quality of commitment to God. Psalm 34, 19. David said, many are the afflictions, the troubles, and the evils that come against the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. In other words, there's no weapon formed against you that can prosper if you'll keep your eyes on God. Oh, it may come. It may try to inflict pain. It may try to bring you down. But if you'll keep standing your ground, even if it knocks you down, just get back up. See, we've got examples of violent men and women grabbing a hold of this thing and refusing to let it go. Amen. Violent in the Greek means energetic. Have an aggressive faith living for God. See, a lot of us, you know, we think, well, we're, you know, the meek shall inherit the earth. Well, meek doesn't mean weak. Amen. Meekness is the self-control of the Spirit of God in my life in the midst of the test. See, you want a, these policemen that ride these, these mounted policemen that ride the horses, especially in some of the major cities, and there's, they want a meek horse. Now, that doesn't mean a weak horse. It doesn't mean a spirited horse. It means a horse that won't jump out from under them if somebody blows a horn when they go by. Because that meekness gives them the ability to stand there with all the crowd going crazy and control that energy and strength without bolting and running. And so God, the fruit of the spirit of meekness, the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man on the earth. But you didn't want to mess with him, did you? Huh? What's that mean? That means that Moses had some self-control right in the midst of that thing. He was strong, and he was so confident in his strength with God, he didn't have to prove it to you. And God is saying, I want you to walk in such a confidence and such an aggressive faith that, praise God, I don't have to prove to you that I believe. I don't have to put on a show for anybody. I don't have to explain. I just need to live it and do it. Hallelujah. 
God says you need to see this as the greatest thing in your life. I don't know about you. I see living for Jesus as the most valuable, precious, rewarding thing there is. And I tell people all the time, I said, I, I got, when I got saved, I got saved forever. Somebody says, you mean you believe in eternal security? Sure, as long as you stay secure, you'll be eternal. Hallelujah. Amen. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying I didn't get saved until the first problem came along. I didn't get saved till the first disappointment came along. I didn't get saved till the first time I thought God dropped the ball and wasn't there for me. I made up my mind, Lord, I'm getting saved forever. I'm going to be a million years. Whatever you're doing, I'm going to be doing it with you. Hallelujah. Because I'm in this thing all the way. You know, that's what you, each one of us are going to have to do. We have to make the decision, I'm all in. And I'm going to be aggressive because the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence. The enemy right now is attacking the kingdom of heaven right here on this earth right now. I mean, there are false religions attacking the gospel of the kingdom. There are false enemies. There are humanists out here. There are atheists. The atheists right now are more vocal in this country than some churches. They tried to let a, 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 another religion uh, use a, a facility in a, a Methodist school. Con, you know, university here and, 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 and so they came out and changed it and they said no it's a Christian and, and, and people said we're going to use it only for Christianity not another religion and, and so but when it was going on a liberal was on TV and, and a conservative and so they, they got the liberal and, they said, and this, this liberal said well I think it's just wonderful we have religious tolerance in America and, and this is just wonderful that, that we can let everybody get a, and we just get along and they said what about you thing he says you know it's amazing that, that we have religious tolerance as long as it's not Christianity he said, but we came through Christmas, and they made everybody take down the nativity scenes. They went around the national parks to make them take it down cross. He says, seems like there's religious tolerance unless you're a Christian. And he said, you know, it seems to me like we better get back to our foundational faith and begin to serve God again. And the person said, well, it's over. Hallelujah. This debate's done. And they walked off. Praise God. Well, what are you going to say? Well, you see, the kingdom of heaven is sovereign violence. And, and, and there's coming a point in time where we're going to have to make a decision. Who are we going to live for? How are we going to conduct ourselves? What are we going to believe? And so, so Peter tells us, don't think it's strange when you decide that you're going to walk in faith and love. You're going to be serious with your walk with God. You're going to be prayerful. You're going to walk in love because your love's going to be tested. And you're going to be a kingdom man, kingdom woman. I mean what? I'm going to walk under the cover of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to walk into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I'm going to walk in my righteousness with God. I'm going to do what's right whether you do or not. And you're going to be tested. Paul says it's a tough thing. But blessed be God, you have the greater one living on the inside of you, and you can do all things to him. Amen? Now let's finally look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4. Let me give this to you real quick. Mark the fourth chapter. How am I going to make up my mind and do this? Well, if you're going to walk in the power of the kingdom, instead of letting tribulation, tests, and trials bring you down, you're going to let them fashion you and form you into a great soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? See, you and I, how we handle tests and trials determines who we are. Come on. If you're all the time getting knocked down laying there until somebody comes and picks you up, your tests and trials defeat. It's, 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 it's defining you as somebody that's, that has very little quality in your commitment to what God said. 
But if through that test and trial, you refuse to quit going to church, you refuse to quit praying, you refuse to quit praising God, you refuse to not walk in love, you refuse to let the enemy determine your lifestyle, then all of a sudden, then that, that test and that trial begins to fashion you as a strong soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And then those, those things begin to build experience in your life. See, this is the thing. Years ago, we went through some battles and had some financial battles hit, the, hit our, our, our ministry. And we came down into the end of the year, and we owed a bunch. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, we're going into December, and we're almost $80,000 in the red. And don't know how in the world we're going to get it in. And we're not seeing a whole lot of people coming to help us. Hallelujah. And, and so, you know, and it's wearing on me. I've been dealing with it for several months and praying over it and, 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 and you know, wearing me down. And, and finally, I just, I just you know, I went over to our church and I, I was praying one day. And, and I just went in the sanctuary and I said, Lord, you died for me. I don't have to die for this. And this is trying to kill me. And so I just laid my hands on the altar and I said, this is yours. Right now, I cast the care of this over on you, and I'm not going to worry about it another second. I'm not going to miss another night's sleep. I'm not going to walk around feeling sorry for myself another minute. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to fuss. I'm not going to say anything negative. And I walked around the property, and I just praised God, worshiped God, and I said, if it goes under, it's you. If it goes over, it's you, but I'm done with it. And when we hit January 1st, we had $500 in the black in the account. Hallelujah. And you know what I learned? I learned, blessed be God, God's big enough to do anything. And he can just take you right through. Praise God. And you know what? Instead of letting that defeat me, praise God, I've got a good testimony today and tell you right now that I found out the word works and I just quit worrying about anything. Hallelujah. Amen. And so you begin to learn. See, I, I got fashioned through that. All right, listen to me. The fiery trial came in and tried my faith, which in the sight of God is more precious than gold that's fire that's tried in the furnace. And, and, and all of a sudden, my faith rose up, and God came through, and, and, and he worked in that situation with me. And I realized that God was bigger than that. Hallelujah. Now, that may seem like a small amount to you, but that was a pretty good amount of money to me. Praise God. And I watched the Lord do that. Praise the Lord. Take us right through that. Well, how are we going to walk in victory? In Mark chapter 4, Jesus said the sower sows the word. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to get in on the word of God. You know what we need to do? We need to make a renewed commitment to God's word. You know, Psalm 138 says that God has exalted his word even above his name. You know, Isaiah 55 says that no word of God that he sends forth will not return to him void of power, but it will produce exactly what he sent it to do. It'll produce exactly what he sent it to do. The word of God works. Jeremiah one twelve, he says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. I mean, God, he works with his word. So the kingdom of God, if you're going to walk in the power of the kingdom, walk in the fruit of the kingdom, and if you're going to be an overcomer in the kingdom, you have to walk in the word of God. Amen. Now, listen to what he says. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, listen, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in their hearts. I said the word found its place in their hearts, but then the devil came and got it. So when the test is coming against you, what's the test really trying to get? 
the test is trying to get the word out of you. You understand that? See, you, you need to understand something. When, when the enemy comes and tries you, what he is doing is this. He is trying to get you off of God's word. He's trying to get you to believe something other than what God says. God's word says, by his stripes you were healed. The devil will try to come and take that away from you and say, but you can't be healed and get you to believe that you can't be instead of believing you can. And so, therefore, there's a battle going on, and you need to understand the battle is who's going to have influence in your life, God's word or the devil's word. And so Satan comes immediately to steal the word out of their heart. These are likewise the ones that are sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves. They don't go to church but once every now and then. They never read the Bible. They don't pray in the Spirit, and they never worship God. And so, therefore, they only endure for a short time. And when a problem comes, they just want to know, why did this have to happen to me? I went to church last month. Hmm? Amen. They have no root in themselves. See, this is the thing, folks. You, you can't live off of my root. You've got to plant your own root. Amen. See, Jesus relates us to a tree. He says, you know, every good tree brings forth good fruit, doesn't it? So Jesus over Matthew 12 said we're a good tree or a bad tree. And, and a tree really is only as strong as its root. I mean, you know, you can look out here and it looks like a really beautiful tree. But if it doesn't have a good root system, when a good strong wind comes along, it's going to pull, just pull it down. I mean, you know, a few years ago in, up in Huntington, there was a, a wind came through. They wouldn't necessarily call it a uh, it didn't have any tornado, but it had the same, you know, uh, miles, and it was just blowing through. It wasn't a twister or anything and, and, and stuff. But it took big old trees and just pulled them up, and you could see their roots. The roots laying all over the place. And then trees right beside it were still standing. You see, a lot of times is what people don't see in you is what makes you the success you are. It's just the word you've hidden in your heart that the devil can't get hold of. It's, it's the depth of your, your life with Jesus, not in church. The depth of your walk with God when nobody's ever looking at you. Amen. What are you doing when it's good? See, a lot of people want to wait till it gets bad to do something. But you see, to develop your root, a root grows, you know, when nobody's looking. Everybody can see the tree, but nobody sees the root. And so the Lord says, you've got to dig deep into this thing and, and, and be rooted and grounded in the things of God. And so he goes on, he says this, because they have no root, he says, they only endure for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution, there it comes, that's the suffering. And why did that persecution, tribulation come? It arises for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble. See, the test didn't come because I'm so special. The test came because the word is special. And the devil knows if, if that word stays in there, it'll work. The devil knows if I keep confessing the word, it'll work. The devil knows if I keep meditating on the word, it'll work. The devil knows that if I keep believing the word, it'll work. The devil knows if I won't come off the word, blessed be God, I'm going to have what the word says. Amen? Because it will not return to God void. It'll produce in my life exactly what God said it'll do. So he's after the word. Now these are those who are sown among thorns who can't leave their old friends. 
who run around with the wrong people. The ones that are full of doubt, unbelief, and all the time talking about the things of the world instead of the things of God. Okay? And they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. See, all of that's all, the devil's trying to use all these circumstances to get your eyes off of Jesus and to get you away from the word. Why? Because the kingdom of God operates through the word. God operates everything through the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, the Son of God. John 1, 1, and 2, and 14. So everything works through the word. God always does everything. Through, it starts with the word. Remember what Genesis 1? I mean, the heaven and the earth is there, and they're without form and void, and the Spirit of God's moving and brooding over the earth, but nothing's happening until what? God said. And soon as the word was spoken, the Holy Ghost went right in action, didn't he? God works everything through his word, and the devil knows that. And when you and I begin to realize that and get the revelation of it, and we understand the battle is the devil trying to get me off of God's word because the devil knows that God's word moves the Holy Ghost, and God's word gets me to the glory, and God's word will cause what God said to come to pass in my life. Amen? How do you know that? Because he doesn't stop up there with all the negative. He says in verse 20, But these are they that are sown on good ground. Whoo, glory to God. What's the difference in the good ground and the rest of them? Those who hear the word, they accept the word, and they begin to do the word and bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. Whoo, glory to God. In other words, I am serious. What did Peter say over there? First Peter 4, what did he say? The end of all things is upon us. Be serious and prayerful. Be serious. What's the good ground? They're the serious ones. Knock me down, we'll get back up. Curse me, and I'm going to pray for you. Mock me, persecute me, and I'm going to go home and praise God and rejoice. Amen. People used to come up, and we don't hear it so much anymore, but whenever I first got started off in, in the ministry, you know, they, they would call you. You know, I, I was from Raymond. I'd listen to Brother Hagin and, and, and preach these messages and everything else. And, and so they'd call me a Haganite. And it, and it wasn't. I've had some people call some of the people that I work with now Huffmanites. I said, just praise God. Hold that for a second. But they, they would call me a Haganite. And it wasn't. Yeah, a compliment. It, it was a form of persecution. They were they were trying to to, to you know come against me and embarrass me, and so you know Jesus said, over in Gospel of Matthew, He said, "Whenever you get persecuted falsely for righteous sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven." So for so persecuted they the prophets which went before you. So somebody come up and say, "You're just one of them Haganites." Instead of me getting all upset and defensive, I just reach out and say, Glory to God. Thank you, brother. I am. Hallelujah. Another star in my crown. More glory in heaven. And they just look at me and they say, You're just too stupid. No, we're trying to insult you. I say, No, I'm rejoicing. Praise God. Just say it again. Just shut them up. Hallelujah. Amen. I said, That's a great compliment. You mean I sound like Brother Hagin? That's wonderful. Hallelujah. But you know what's amazing? 
some some of them down the line when they were running in trouble, you know who they called to have them pray for them? Amen. I had a couple get mad at me, left our church. Then about, I guess, just about a year later, they wouldn't talk to us, wouldn't, you know, and we'd done things and helped them out and, and ministered to them and, and, and stuff. And, and, and about a year later, they were having struggles, and I was having a special anointing service, and they showed up. And as soon as I had the prayer line, they were the first ones in the line. So what did you do? I went down the line, laid hands on them with the same compassion and same thrust of faith that I had for everybody else because I'm out for everybody to get blessed. Later on, they came up and said, we're sorry for what we've done. We, we know we've been wrong, but, you know, we're over here, this other church, and we've been working, and we've been doing everything that you taught us over there and being a blessing to them. And I thought, well, praise God. And then he said, he said, maybe you maybe didn't know why we was here tonight, but the reason we came here is because this attack came against his wife, and she, and she was dealing with physical things. said, we just knew that if there was anybody in this city that could get us healed, it'd be you. So we came to get in prayer line, so you lay hands on us. And they called me back a week later and said she was healed. God touched her and healed her and praised the Lord. Thank me for it. And that's the last I heard from her. Amen. Hallelujah. See, you you got to understand something. That doesn't stop me. It doesn't say, Lord, I withdraw my faith if that's whether. <laughs> no. No, what are you going to do? You, I'm going to be good ground. You know what? I'm going to produce. I'm going to get this. I'm going to accept this. And you can't talk me out of it. You can't embarrass me out of it. You can't persecute me out of it. You can't tell me it don't work. I've done. I, I've experienced it. Listen, a, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And I'm not the mercy. You can argue all day long. It don't work. You're too late. <laughs> I've watched God meet my needs. I've watched God heal my body. I've watched God answer my prayers. I've watched God do the supernatural. I've watched God conform, confirm His Word and perform it in my life. You're just too late. So you know what? I'm not going to let the wrong stuff or a test or a trial or somebody doing me wrong, stop me from walking as a kingdom child of my Lord and King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of darkness. The rule and the authority of Jesus is greater than the rule and the authority of the devil. And greater is he that's in me than he that's against me. And he said he would never leave me nor forsake me that I may boldly say the Lord is my helper. Amen. So how am I going to stand? I'm going to stand on the word of God. Take my stand and not coming off. So I want to challenge you. Let's be serious in the hour we're living in. Let's understand that the attack isn't because we're so special. The attack is because God is so special, and His Word is so special, and the devil knows that if you don't come off the Word, it's going to work for you, and you're going to get somebody saved. Amen. I want to tell you something. I'll I give you a little testimony. Is that all right? And, and then we're going to minister. I, I went to the island of Haiti. I've been going there since 1980, and uh, we ministered a lot of people. And I went there several years ago. And I was going to do a minister's conference. And I took about 10 or 12 men with me. And they were going to do a work project. And so we flew into Miami. And uh, 
flown in to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And our luggage didn't arrive on the plane with us, and so they said it got delayed in Miami, and it'd be in four hours later. So, okay. So that's when they were having a lot of problems with people's stuff getting broken into. They've corrected a little bit. But anyway, we get there, and so they sent them over to the airport, and they radio back to the compound. Some of our luggage has been broken into. Well, in that four-hour span, I was led to the spirit. The, the, the compound there, there was a... They have this two-story building, and up top is just a flat roof, and you could go up the steps. And they had a sitting area there, so I went up, put my ball cap on, and got my Bible, and actually got a Charles Capps confession, you know. Uh, and, and 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 so I walked around up there and prayed in the spirit. Just felt a urge to pray in the spirit. And then I got there and I began to make some confessions, and and all together I was up there a little over two hours, and I felt a release of my spirit. And I went down, and that's whenever they called and said some things. So then they got over to the compound. And I'm thinking, you know, all I've got is dress shirts and ties. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking to the pastor. They won't steal any of mine. We've got equipment they probably get into, but they'll look at mine, and it won't be anything. And so they come walking in, and, and one of the guys looks at me in kind of a drawn face, Pastor, they got into your suitcase. I thought they did. He says, yeah. So I reach over and pick it up, and I went, <laughs> And I went, Lord, have mercy. I looked, and there was a brush and a pair of flip-flops is all they left in my suitcase, okay? And I'm supposed to, speak to be speaking to these ministers all week. And so they all stopped and looked at me. And I was so thankful I'd been spending time with the Lord. Because about that time, the Holy Spirit speaks up on the inside of me. And here's what the Lord said. Now, you can get upset and get mad and throw a fit and be without clothes. Or you can rejoice and count it all joy and be without clothes. But either way, you're without clothes. And so I just said, Lord, I'm going to just count it all just. I said, well, praise the Lord. Anybody have a shirt I could borrow this week? I laid it. And, you know, I kind of released everything, and everybody laughed, and God supplied, and somehow we got some clothes together and stuff, and I went ahead and did the conference. Well, I'm teaching that week, and I thought it was over, and I thought, well, that was the big test. Well, that week I'm, I'm teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, he, the the our missionary wanted us to teach his pastors on the gifts of the Spirit. And so I'm teaching, and I got into the revelation gifts of the Word of Knowledge, Word of Wisdom, Discerning Spirits. And I just finished teaching on the Word of Knowledge that morning, and, and we broke. And there was a, a gentleman there that was from the Baptist uh, uh, denomination, and he'd wanted to come over and sit in the seminar. And he'd been there for the first couple of days and sat in it. And, and so then after we taught that morning... He got up and kind of in hurriedly just you know, rushed left. And I thought, well, maybe I said something he just couldn't hook up with. It just seemed like, you know, here was something wrong. And, and he didn't come back that afternoon to look for him, but he didn't show back up. But then the next morning he was there. And I thought, well, praise God. So we went ahead and continued teaching. And, he, and, and, and after we took a break for lunch, and he said, uh, Brother Huffman, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. He goes, you know, I want to thank you for teaching this this week. And I said, well, that's good. He said, you know, I'm Baptist. I come from Baptist. I said, yeah. He said, I want to come over and learn. He said, because, you know, here on the mission field, we need everything God has for us. I said, yeah. He said, you know, you taught on the word of knowledge yesterday morning. Yeah. And he said, you know, I was sitting there. And he said, just had the greatest impulse in my heart. Go home. He said, I don't know if you know or not, but I kind of left in a hurry. I said, well, yeah, I did. He goes, well, that's because I, I, at first I thought, no, this is just me. And he said, I thought, well, you know, he's been teaching. He just taught on how the word of knowledge is something going on now or 
you know, and, and, and God may be trying to show you something. So he said, I thought, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and check this out. So he said, I went home, said a guy across town to where, I, where my home is, and he said, we have a little daughter, about three years old. And he said, as I was walking through my door, he said she had a balloon, and her mom was in the kitchen. She's sitting there, and the balloon popped and, and went down in her throat. She had it up in her mouth. She was biting on it, and it went down, and she was gagging when I walked through the door. And he said, I ran over there real quick, reached down and pulled a piece of rubber up out of her throat and helped her breathe. He said, you know, if I hadn't gone home, my daughter could have died right there in the living room before my wife caught her. She would have suffocated her. He said, I want to thank you for teaching me that. And the Lord spoke to me and said, the test, son, wasn't your clothes. He said, if you'd have gotten upset and aggravated and showed yourself over some clothes... The anointing wouldn't have been on you to teach the seminar. He wouldn't have heard this and his daughter would have died. And it had been your fault. So you see, the reason the enemy's trying to test you with some little thing, because he knows there's some big thing that may be hanging in the balance that God wants to use you to be a blessing in. Amen. So let's don't let little things keep us from being ready for God to use us for a big thing. I thought it was a pretty big thing when he came and gave me his testimony. So I never told that story a whole lot because there's always a second side to it. And the test wasn't me losing some clothes. The test was would I be anointed to be able to help him to save his daughter. Amen. The kingdom of God is advanced by those who have aggressive faith and see it as a most precious, valuable prize and refuse to let anything stop them from living for God. That is the determination. That is what will build this church. That's what will change the city. And that is what will rescue this nation from the grip of Satan is a people who allow their afflictions and trials to fashion them in a stalwart, strong in faith, never give up, never quit, citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now and praise you this day for the word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing us great and mighty things that, that you want to do in our lives. And, Lord, we just thank you right now for renewing us and strengthening us in our faith. And, Lord God, we thank you right now. And we just set ourselves to be prepared. As the apostle said, if we're going to enter into this thing, there may be hardships, there may be tests, there may be persecutions, there may be things that will come against us. But, Lord God, we just set ourselves to use violent faith that we will not quit, we'll not be discouraged, we'll not allow the enemy to have the final say. And Lord God, we just set ourselves this evening to be all in. Lord, I pray right now for every person in this place and every person that's going to be brought into this place, Lord, that, that a fire of revival will be ignited in each one of us. 
that we'll be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, filled with the anointing of God, filled with a passion for the things of God. Lord, help us to not just live out of routine or live out of just a, a, a just a religious walk, but Lord, help us to live out of a relationship that's ignited and passionate and on fire through the revelation of Jesus Christ in our life. And we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord. And I pray right now, let your anointing just fill this place. Let your anointing fill each and one of our hearts. Stir us, O Lord. Strengthen us, O Lord. We receive that strength and anointing flowing right now. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name.